Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I'd like for the men of the church that would join me. Let's assemble here at the altar. We're going to bow down before the Lord. If you're our guest and you'd like to join us, please feel free. Something we do at this church from time to time, we ask men to come and bow down before the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Brother Wade Hilton, Wade Hilton, would you make your way up here and lead us in this prayer? I know we got a mic up here somewhere. Where's our... Here we go. Thank you. Lead us, brothers, we pray. Pray with me. Hmm. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day. Thank you yes, for the Lord. opportunity yes, Lord. to worship, to worship together with fellow believers, hmm. to lift up the name of Jesus high. Yeah. Lord, thank you for grace. Hmm. Thank you for mercy. Lord, thank you for provision. Thank yes, you Lord. for this church. Yeah. Thank you for these believers that have yeah. believed. Thank you, Lord, for belief. And thank you, Lord, for taking us to a place of deeper deeper belief in you, Lord, deeper expectations of what you're going to do in these last days, Lord. Lord, we just praise you today. We thank you today. We honor you today. We give you glory today for all yes, that you're doing yes, Lord. and for all that you're going to do in the days to come. Yes, Lord. Lord, we lift up high our nation. We lift up high, Lord, uh, that nation that is uh, under God. The one that believes, Lord, we've, we've, we've been come against by the enemy, Lord, and we pray for our nation. Lord, and we pray for Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, pray for your country, Israel. <clears throat> Lord, most of all, Lord, we ask in this congregation, this little gathering of believers, Lord. Yes, Lord. That you take us to a place we've never been before. Bless that us, you Lord. take us to a place, Lord, of, uh, of belief. That's right. Lord, of, of, uh, of that, that that you have for us, Lord, in these last days. Yes, Lord. Take Jesus. us there, Lord. Lord, uh, we believe. But, Lord, I pray for our unbelief. Yes, Lord. That you clear that up, that you give us mighty yes. insights into, the day, into, into what's coming for the days to come. And prepare us, Lord. Yes. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our souls, Lord. And I pray for Pastor Henry today, Lord. That you anoint him with the holy word of God. Yes, with Lord. that for which we are to receive today, Lord. And that yes, we have Lord. ears to hear what you have to say to the church. Mm-hmm. To the river of life church today, Lord. Give mm-hmm. us ears. Give us spiritual ears, Lord. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you bless every heart, every soul here today. Mm-hmm. And do that in Jesus' name, Lord. We, we just pray in Jesus' name. For there is no other name. 
that name that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. We will resume our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and this morning I want to speak to you on, on God's will, God's will for our lives, the will of God. And the message this morning is really a message to get you ready for the message. So we won't get very far in this, but I'll be talking to you about God's will for your life in the next message. And this message is to get you ready to discover God's will for your life. And I do want you to know that what I'll be sharing with you today is a prerequisite. It is a requirement. Uh, you can't move on to God's will and, until you get this. Somehow, some way to get it in your heart and in your spirit. And I also believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly on a word for every one of you today. That the Spirit of the Lord wants me to tell you that He has a personal word for you in this service. I don't think I've ever received... Uh, a message like that, but the Spirit wants me to tell you that God has a personal word for you, that He has a personal assignment for you today. Now, it may not have anything to do with what I'm preaching. You understand the Spirit can speak any way He chooses. But I want to ask you to take a pen or, or, or a pencil, a piece of paper, or if you don't... Uh, if you don't have something to write with, just make up your mind that when the Spirit speaks to you and points out what He wants you to do or what He wants you to stop doing or what He wants you to bring into your life or get out of your life, whatever personal assignment the Lord gives you, you make a mental note of it. You write it down if you have to. But that you walk out of here knowing today, thus saith the Lord to you personally. I really believe that God's got a message for everybody in this house. And so, uh, just uh, listen to me with your physical ears, but listen to him with your spiritual ears. All right, let's read 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Now, there are four words there that stood out to me when I first read this several weeks ago and started getting ready for this. And those four words were abound more and more. 
When the Bible says abound more and more, it means that you go after something with all of your heart. To abound more and more in the faith means that you're not satisfied with where you are. It means that you're ready to move on. It means you're ready to grow in grace. It means that you're hungry for the things of God. That you're going to keep going. That you will keep growing. That you will keep advancing in the faith. That word abound uh, in the Greek means to superabound. It means to excel. It means that you put all of your energy into something. And what he's saying in this verse of Scripture is I want you to put all of your energy into pleasing God. I want you to get focused on pleasing the Lord your God. I want you to press on in this area, strive for this, work for this, make an all-out commitment, keep on keeping on when it comes to this idea of walking and pleasing God. Abound more and more. You cannot be casual with your Christianity. It just will not work. Casual Christianity just does not fit in to the biblical picture of Christianity. And so this passage is saying don't be casual. Stay in there. Go after it with all of your heart. We've been singing and worshiping about uh, before our Lord today, and yet the Scripture tells us to abound more and more in the area of pleasing God. We're to be growing and advancing. And, and, and the Bible really does make this so very clear. Did you know the Bible has some, some real harsh words about casual Christianity? Now, it doesn't actually use the word casual Christianity, but it's there. Here it is, Revelation 3, 15 and 16. I know your works. Now he's talking about what you're doing, how you're living your life, what you're pursuing. Jesus said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Now friends, that's casual Christianity. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, that's casual Christianity. And neither cold nor hot. He says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now I think those are some of the strongest and most abrasive words ever to come out of our Lord's mouth. That if you want to be just lukewarm, if you want to be just average, if you want to be just casual with your faith, uh, unless I'm missing something, he's saying, our Lord is saying, I hate that, and it makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, this is pretty serious. The devil majors. I mean, he majors in this area. This is his doctrine, his theology, to just keep us all kind of casual in the faith. Just lukewarm. Just going through the motions. That's... That's what the enemy wants. But friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. I heard this many, many years ago. 
And I believed it then and I believe it now. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Until we're ready to surrender everything to him, he's not really the Lord of our lives. And I don't want to seem holier than thou today, so I'll just tell you the truth. The idea of a complete sold out surrender that gives it all to him is scary, it's frightening. But oh man, that's something special. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Now what you have to understand this morning, what we all have to understand if we want to abound more and more is this. And that is that the Bible deals in truth, the enemy deals in lies. And the enemy is constantly lying. And friends, I'm serious about this. I don't think there's a place on the planet where the devil would rather tell a lie than in church. He loves to tell lies in church. And I want you to know that the devil has succeeded in dealing in falsehood and lies through preaching, through teaching, and through music. There's a lot of bad theology out there. And I want to share just a little bit of this bad theology. And I want you to listen carefully because you'll have a tendency to say amen after I share this with you. But this is not an amen. This is an oh me. This is not good. So don't say amen. Here it is. I'm going to give you some bad theology. Just put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to do anything else. It's all by faith and it's all under grace. Now friends, that sounds good. But I got to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. That is dangerous and it is deadly. And the reason so many Christians have made shipwreck of their lives, the reason so many Christians have made a mess out of things in their homes, the reason so many preachers and teachers and leaders and Christians are falling into sin almost every month in America, the reason revival tarries and the church sits in darkness is because we've believed that lie. You see, we have believed a lie. Believers have believed a lie. A no-obligation Christianity has been so drilled into us that we've come to this conclusion that all I've got to do is put my faith in Jesus and everything's under the blood. Everything's all right. Now, the only problem with that is you wipe out about 90% of the New Testament when you do that. You pick and choose on several verses and you highlight those verses and you ignore everything else. But I'm telling you, a no-obligation Christianity has been so drilled into us that we're in a mess today and we don't understand personal responsibility. We don't understand what God requires out of us. And we are a million miles away from God's will for our lives. You see, the truth, friends, is this. 
The scripture I just read to you and hundreds of others in the New Testament tell us that we do have obligation. We do have responsibility. We do have to make a commitment. There is something we have to do. We have to abound more and more. We have to superabound in the faith. We have to excel in the faith. We have to make an all-out commitment to please the Lord our God. Granted, we have the help of the Holy Spirit when we take off on that journey. But we have to do something. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will get involved when you get excited about pleasing God and you decide to abound more and more in pleasing God. And you get real unsatisfied with where you are and start pressing toward that place where you can please God. I'll tell you something else, friends. Now believe this. Until you are ready To embark on a journey that pleases God. You're never going to find God's will for your life. It just won't happen. Now, I want you to listen up. Because I want to clear up some bad theology. Let's begin with Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Don't you just love that verse? By the way, every word in that verse is true, just like every word in the Bible is true. It's true, right? We're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work for your salvation. The only thing you can do is put faith in Him, His shed blood, the sacrifice he made on Calvary's cross. And now here's, here's the amen. And everybody in the house said? Amen. amen. That's the truth, right? But you can't lift it out of context. The very next verse says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, you have to go to work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to tell you, you can't work for your salvation, but you have to work from your salvation. You don't work it in, but you have to work it out. In fact, that's what Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Say it with me. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. you got to go to work. Did you get saved and sit down? Did you get saved and say there? Somebody said most Christians come to the Lord. They get saved. They sit down. They soak. And they sour. They sit, soak, and sour. No, friends. We go to work. We have to go to work. I'm just asking you, are you working? Are you ready to do something? Are you ready to get excited about your faith? Are you ready to abound more and more in the things that God wants you to abound in? Because I'm telling you, that is a high priority in our lives. You come to the Lord by faith. But when you get saved, you and I are to start going to work. 
Are you working? Let me tell you how you can know whether you're working in your Christian life or not. And by the way, teaching vacation Bible school is not working. Not this kind of work. Working in the nursery is not working. Not this kind of work. Being an usher is not working. Not this kind of work. Being on stage and playing an instrument and singing is not working. Not this kind of work. There's another kind of work here. This is talking about working with the Holy Spirit as He changes and transforms your life and brings you into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this work is all about. So I'm going to ask you, are you working? Are you really working? Because you see, when I work in my yard, I can see an improvement. When I work on my golf game, I see an improvement. Others may not, but I do. See, when I work on something, there's an improvement. It changes. I'm not asking you, do you fill a position in this church? I'm asking you, are you working with the Holy Spirit in obedience to the Holy Spirit? And are you abounding more and more in your faith, becoming more like Christ and pleasing the Lord our God? That's what I'm asking. Are you working? I think it's a fair question. Because I think a lot of you out there think you're working, but you're not working. You're busy, but you're not working. So I'm just asking you, are you working? Because see, I've come to the conclusion that if you are not abounding more and more in Christ, the enemy is abounding more and more in you. One way or the other. We don't like to think about that, do we? But it is the truth. I'm just asking, are you working? Are you working on you? Are you declaring war against the enemy? Because he's declared war against you. And and I know that we're saved by grace through faith. I'm not arguing that point. I stand on that until the day I die. But I'm saying that once you get saved, it's time to go to work. And if you don't go to work, if you're not abounding more and more in the things of, that please God, you're going in the wrong direction. The enemy's probably beating the daylights out of you. Now, I know I'm battling some bad theology here. And we've heard so much of this that there's probably somebody in the house today thinking, Pastor, I am really, really confused. I've been taught my whole life all I had to do was believe in Jesus and live by grace and everything's under the blood and I just live by grace. Well, friends, you've got to read the whole Bible. You can't pick and choose. You've got to read it all and say, Pastor, now you're telling me that I don't just have to live by faith, I have to actually go to work? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Scriptures will help us out here. Uh, I'm going to be reading. I'm going to pull some Scripture out of James, the second chapter. And I want you to listen to this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, wait now. The Bible's talking about faith and works, isn't it? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Now that's the illustration. 
Here's the point of the message. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is? It's dead. It's pretty strong language, isn't it? And then verse 20 says, But do you want to know, O foolish man? Sometimes I read this and I'm thinking that when the Lord inspired this, when the Holy Spirit inspired this, He was saying, Do you really want to know the truth? O foolish man, do you really want to know the truth? I feel like that's what the Spirit's saying to me. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is? It's dead. Kind of like that response I just got from the congregation. One more time. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is? It's dead. Do you know why most churches in America are dead? Because they think they have faith, but they have no works. They're not doing anything. Verse 24 says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. One more verse, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see, friends, we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been lied to by the enemy. We've been deceived by demons. I'm serious. And the church has fallen prey to this. And I feel with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me today to say to you, the Spirit wants to say something to you, and that is, it is time. Right now, it is time for you and for me and for this church. It is time for us to abound more and more in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is time for us to use real faith, real faith works, and go to work, Let Him clean us up, start moving through us, and start doing the work of God. It's time. It's time. Has the Lord spoken to you yet? Given you that personal assignment yet? We're not done. So, are you working? Let me dig in a little deeper. Are you working on that bad attitude? Don't be punching anybody. Are you working on that bad attitude? Because you need to be working on that bad attitude. We want you to work on that bad attitude you've got. And by the way, when you have a bad attitude, let me tell you, you're bad advertisement for the kingdom of God. And when you have a bad attitude, you're testifying to the rest of the world that you're not even anywhere close to our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. Are you working on your bad attitude? You need to be working on your bad attitude. The rest of us want you to work on your bad attitude. The people who live in the home with you want you to work on your bad attitude. The people who work with you want you to work on your bad attitude. You profess to be a Christian. You show up at church every Sunday and you walk around with a nasty, stinking, bad attitude. You need to be working on your attitude. 
Somebody's going to come up to me after this service and say, Pastor, I just want to tell you I don't have a bad attitude. (laughs) And I'm going to say, yes, you do. You see, because if you got a good attitude and you're living in the presence of the Holy One of Israel and Jesus is walking with you and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, He's probably saying amen in you right now whether you're saying it out loud or not. Because it's time for us to clean up the way we live. It's time for us to go to work and get serious about this thing we call Christianity and quit saying one thing and living something else before the world. Are you working on that, that anger problem in your life? You need to work on that anger problem. It is not good. That anger problem you got. The Bible says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And you're getting angry every day of your life. You're blaming it on the teller. You're blaming it on the traffic light. You're blaming it on a coworker. You're blaming it on your wife. You're blaming it on your children. You're blaming everybody else. And the devil is just snickering because you aren't even close to abounding more and more in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ because you have an anger problem and you're not working on your anger problem. And trust me, we really do want you to work on your anger problem. We want you to get that thing resolved. By the way, if you get mad at this message and go to another church, you're just going to take an anger problem with you. That's that's what's going to happen. And by the way, don't, don't compound this thing. Don't get angry with your wife thinking that she called me and told me to say this. The Holy Spirit told me to tell you, you need to work on your anger problem. And the list goes on. Are you working on that addiction problem? Are you really, are you playing games with God? Are you just going through the motions? Or are you really working on that addiction problem you have in your life? You want me to be more specific? How about alcohol addiction? How about drug addiction? How about pornography? How about lust? How about a a hundred other disorders that the enemy is so easily bringing into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we at some point, shouldn't we at some point say no? No more? I'm not going in that direction. I will abound more and more in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we? You see, Jesus said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It is inexcusable for a child of God to live their lives in a filthy, dirty, vile habit that the world has. Jesus came to set us free. I'm just asking you, are you working on that addiction problem? You should be. Your family wants you to. Your church wants you to. But more than that, your Lord wants you to.
He didn't save you to leave you in filth and darkness. He saved you to bring you out of that. Listen, Lori saying, He is still holy. He is still holy. And He still wants His church to be holy. He still wants His church to be holy. Well, how about you? You don't want me to quit now, do you? (laughs) It's just getting good, isn't it? How about your mouth? Are you working on your mouth? Let me tell you something. I'm around Christians all the time and they sound just like everybody else in the world. They have filthy, potty mouths. We can't talk like the world. We can't use the vulgarity that the world uses. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Really, really, I'm asking. I'm not, don't, don't just nod your head. Are you, are you really working on your mouth? Any time the church starts working on our mouth, all friends, the way we talk should be so different from the world. So different from the world. It's time to work on your mouth. We're going to love you a lot better if you'll just work on your mouth. Start working on your mouth. This is the kind of work it's talking about. To say, I have faith, but I won't work on my bad attitude with the help of the Holy Spirit. I have faith, but I won't work on my anger problem with the help of the Holy Spirit. I have faith, but I won't work on my addiction knowing that it's wrong and vile and a reproach to the Lord and the kingdom of God. I have faith, but I won't work on my... What is wrong with us? What's wrong with us? It is time for the church to wake up and rise up and be the people of God and start abounding more and more in the things that please God. Are you working on your mouth? Let's just stay in that region, okay? Let's stay in that region. Are you working on your eyes? Are you? Are you working on your eyes? Are you going to go home today and watch something on television that blasphemes God? Are you? Are you going to stand here, praise God, raise your hands, dance all over the front, come to the altar and get on your knees and go home and turn something on television that's blasphemous, that takes God's name in vain, that uses the most vulgar language, Entertain yourself by watching other people in illicit activity. Are you going to do that? You see, Jesus gave a whole teaching on this. In Matthew the 6th chapter, He said, The eye is the lamp of the soul, the body. And if darkness comes through that lens, the whole body will be dark. Do you want to know why so many Christians live in darkness? Because they feast on it with their eyes. Wow. How about your ears? Are you working on your ears? You see, the Bible teaches us to, Proverbs says, turn your ears toward wisdom. You, you start listening to things that are holy. You turn away from the things that are unholy. The reason our children 
or on their little devices using all kinds of vulgarity and saying all kinds of filthy, ungodly, unwholesome stuff is because they live with it in their homes. They're exposed to it. I could go on, but let me just ask you, are you in denial? Are you in denial? Or do you know you have a problem? Now you say, Pastor, how can you be so sure everybody in this house has a problem? Because I've met the enemy, friends. Every last one of us. Now, by the way, our problems don't all look the same. Sometimes the devil can dress a problem up and make it look real good, but it's still just as vile and ugly. How about this problem? I'm better than everybody else. I'm more spiritual than everybody else. That may be the most vile one of all. Oh, that's horrible. Are you in denial? Or have you identified through the help of the Holy Spirit? And I hope you've written something down or made a mental note about something during this message already. Are, are you in denial? Or do you know you have a problem? Is the Holy Spirit pointing something out to you? And are you ready to go to work? And with the help of a Savior, do something. Do something in that area. I'm going to be quick, but I want to end this way. I've lost two brothers to cancer. One of my brothers, uh, about six months before he died, I went into his hospital room with a Bible and I opened that Bible and I shared with him the plan of salvation. I had to run everybody else out of the room. I shared with him the plan of salvation. And that day he prayed to receive Jesus into his heart, repented of his sins and trusted Jesus. And there was not one earthly thing he could do to earn that salvation. It came as a free gift of God by grace through faith. That not of anything he had done, he trusted Jesus. He got saved. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Just about the time we said amen, a man walked through the door. And without me prompting him, my brother testified to the man that walked through the door just that quick. I just trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I just invited him into my heart. My brother got out of the hospital. And by the way, the Lord never did heal him. But he did heal him. But anyway, my brother went home and I'd, I'd drop by and check on him from time to time. And one day I went by his house and I went in and... He was sitting in a dark room. It was just so depressing for me. By the way, I didn't leave depressed. But I went, it was so depressing to me. I said, Brother, why are you sitting in the dark? He says, the sunlight, the light hurts my eyes. I want to be in the dark. And I walked over to the television set. And I started to turn that television set on. I said, well, you can at least watch the television. And he said, don't touch that television set. I said, why? And he said to me, he said, I can't take a chance of losing what I found. I can't take a chance of losing. If I've ever known in my heart that another human being was saved, I knew he was saved at that moment. And by the way, when I walked out of his house that day, I walked with the presence of God on me. 
I can't take a chance of losing what I've found. I want to ask you, are you taking a chance of losing what you've found? Now listen to me, very important. I want you to hear this. I'm not talking about salvation. I haven't been talking about salvation this whole message. This is not about salvation. This is about born-again Christians abounding more and more in the faith. I'm asking you, are you taking chance after chance after chance of losing what you found in Christ? But you are a chosen generation. A royal generation priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You see, friends, there's something warring against our souls right now. And I want revival. I want to move. I want revival for Henry Jones. I want revival for my family. I want revival. But there is something warring against our souls and we've got to make up our minds that it's time to abound more and more in the things that please God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.